to another season of the Entangled Podcast. My name is Taylor. I'm Ashley. I'm Henry. We are three educators from the Teach for America Louisiana regions that get together to talk about education and all of the subjects entangled within it. Our episodes are intended to engage all of our listeners. To chime in on our discussions, follow us on Instagram at entangled underscore podcast or send us an email at entangled at teachforamerica.org. These episodes would not be possible without the support of listeners like you. So thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to ah, this week's episode of the Entangled <laughs> Podcast. Sometimes you just have to let out a deep sigh, mm. you know? Mm. And Ashley Jordan knows exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about before. But before we get into story time, <laughs> welcome to this week. Spring has sprung officially, mm-hmm. even though it's a splash cold outside, but you know, whatever. How are y'all holding up out there? Life is good. Life is good. Um, <laughs> I love, uh, you know, like uh, we all have different ways and styles of opening up the episodes. You know, yours, I feel like are so much more mature than mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> L-O-L. Well, because you really just be hollering in the mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine is just straight up chaos. And um uh, you know, because I, I sometimes it feels like chaos, and then in amongst your feeling of chaos, he's just I just needed to sigh. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that's so mature. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out there to therapy. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you just gotta take a deep breath mm. and just let it out. There's nothing to be said. You just need to <sighs> just let it out, let it out. But child, mm. I'm making it. It's about to be April. You know, things are happening in April, but we're here, we're doing it, we're trucking along, and we're doing great. Listen, the way April is rolling up on us, like nobody's business, it was just New Year's Day the other day. Mm -hmm. I was just coughing with COVID the other day, it felt (laughs) like. Is, is Is that when you caught it? Yeah, in January. Yeah, at the beginning of January. Mm. I, not because I was out gallivanting the streets either. I don't know who gave it to me, where I got it from, but I was in recovery. That, and But now it's April and the pollen is out. That it is. That it is. <laughs> I, I hear that it's particularly bad this year. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. It, it gets worse and worse every year. I saw a TikTok. This guy was like, the South is about to cook, get cooked this oh, summer. Yeah. He said, we already got seasoned with pollen. Mm-hmm. It got it got cold again. So we got put back in the refrigerator to marinate a little bit. Yeah. And, and now by the end of this week, 80. it's going to be 80 again. So it's time to start preheating the oven. We about to go into preheat. That's what's happening right now. We preheating. Oh, man. I was like, Who, who's having us for dinner? What's going on here? Listen. Shout out to uh, climate change for ruining everything. Yeah. Shout out to climate change. All right. <laughs> Never thought they would get a shout out, but you know. It's not a good kind of South shout out. It's not the kind they want. Okay. It's, it's the, the petty kind, one. It's the kind they deserve. Everything's going great. And we do have some updates 
that Mm -hmm. we're rolling into. As you may have noticed the last episode, there were no current events and there will continue to not be any current events (laughs) for the next couple of episodes. And that's okay. If you need to know what's happening to the news in your area, watch the news in your area. And and honestly, when we were giving y'all the updates, they were a little delayed anyway because of how we tape and when we drop the episode. Mm -hmm. So um, there's that. And there are some changes happening in Teach for America organization across the board. And I'm going to let Henry give his update of what is happening with him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, the the good news is I will continue to do this work with Teach for America and continue to, you know, working with teachers and students. Um, The not so good news is that that work will no longer be in the New New Orleans region or really anywhere in the Louisiana region. I know I'm going to be moving to the Los Angeles region, which is back home for me. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, as equally excited as I also am, you know, a little sad to be leaving this region because I've been here for eight years, you know, thinking, thinking that I was, I really thought that I would be here in New Orleans for about three years and then I'd be going back home to LA. And here I am still eight years later, just kind of fell in love with the city, fell in love with the work. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, life, life throws all kinds of curveballs at you. Mm-hmm. And I am very grateful to still have a job to have, uh, you know, somewhere where I'm landing with two feet and continue to do this work that I fell in love with in the first place, mm-hmm. just in my hometown. <sighs> yeah, this is exciting. It is very exciting. I'm low-key a little jealous. Listen. I'm like, I'm going to Cali for the first time in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, I just know I'm going to fall in love. So for that to be one of are the places you, you call are you home. going to LA? Ashley? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> if you're going to Los Angeles, please, let's connect. I can, unless you already have a full-blown itinerary, which no. is cool. If you do not, man, I just, I just talked to Denise like a couple of days ago. She had nothing and she walked away with a full-blown list and she was like, oh my God, you're just, you're the guy to talk to. And I was like, I am the guy to talk to when it yeah. comes to LA. So, so I got you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So all I could think of is when, when you mentioned you're going back home was I'm going, going back, 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 back yeah. Kelly, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. congratulations Thank on you. your, on your new journey and yeah, you're going to continue to do great things. So and don't your for- new role. Yeah. I didn't oh, want to yes. be the one to say it, but yes, I was going to yes, say yes. promotion, but you're now. <laughs> and your new role. Like, and what is your, what is, what's your new role? The uh, managing director of leadership development, mm, okay. um, which is the same role that I'm pretty sure you're going to have as well. So congratulations to you too. <laughs> Are you not? Gonna have. Or do Ooh. have. You know, oh, like- I was like. Well, because like, isn't it starting <laughs> starting at the end of May? Is no, baby, I got it. It's 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 just it just is. It's well, there it is. Congratulations! Not gonna, not gonna have. <laughs> got okay, Taylor got. Anderson. Um, congratulations to you too on this mm-hmm. new role that mm-hmm. you also got. Mm-hmm. I got, and I uh will not be moving to L.A. I will be staying <laughs> in L.A. This it, the L.A. is Louisiana. <laughs> 
I will be here until further notice. Until further notice. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Ashley, is it just me or is it every time we talk to Taylor, she's getting some kind of promotion okay. or some kind of do that? Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I'm just honored to be don't in the same do space. That. AKA do not. this Zoom room with the big dogs. Okay. <laughs> I am just honored. So what an honor. I'm so proud of y'all. Being someone who not only I've Taylor, I've seen your work since 2016, but Henry meeting you since you've been on staff, y'all work, y'all work y'all behinds off. And <laughs> this is what y'all deserve. Y'all are in mm. these roles for a reason. So go forth, be great. Your core members are going to continue to love you. And I'm excited for y'all. Like yeah. I'm excited. So this I is am, it's an honor. I am also excited. And with that, we be working, working, and we do this podcast. It, I think it came out of like, well, for me, it came out of like boredom because it was, we started it during the pandemic and I was like, oh, sure. What? Uh, mm -hmm, I'll do that. But it has turned into something that we enjoy doing and going forward. Unfortunately, we're not going to necessarily have the time and capacity to devote to this like we would want to. So we will be putting Entangled on ice. It will be paused. There will be no new episodes coming out come when we wrap up this current season. So the episode that comes out after this one will be our final episode. It will be our series finale. And yeah. Yeah. A little bittersweet. That. It yeah. is bittersweet. I'm excited to... um to do new things and to have more time to do other mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but I also appreciate having this space and learning from y'all and with y'all every time we record. Yeah. So we'll I save echo. all the feelings for the next episode. Sweet. I <laughs> echo the sentiment for sure. Same, 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 same. Oh, I'm going to just put this out here. I don't know when this will be put out, but um, if y'all know of any, uh, job opportunities don't hesitate um you can send them to entangled at teachforamerica.org you can add me on linkedin ashley jordan <laughs> yes i'm just gonna put that out there with all yes. the love and respect for our organization and for the work that is done by me and everybody else in our org so and this will not be edited out just <laughs> for the record i mean i i'm not mad i will put myself out there so Let's yes i'll ask your girl mm -hmm. and i will say respectfully and organization changes bring about anxiety for people mm -hmm. and people need to do what they need to do to take care of themselves and their families yes indeed. so well now we're going to move into our teacher's lounge where we have an amazing special guest and we hope y'all enjoy that section per usual <laughs> All right, well, let's get started with our Teacher's Lounge. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Mackenzie Peska Allison. We are very thrilled to have her today. Mackenzie is our director for the Alumni Coaching Fellowship, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And just to tell you a little bit about Mackenzie, she was an educator, a, a SPED teacher for about six years or so, um, and then spent an additional four years um, being a SPED coordinator 
and just working in different schools, moving the work with some of our most marginalized students. So Mackenzie, Pesca, Allison, welcome to Entangled. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you all so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yes, me too. And I just caught myself, it's not six years, it's seven years that you spent in the classroom? I don't know. It, if we want to make it easy, we can just say like 10, 10 years in schools doing a mix of actually started in gen ed for three years, then was sped, then sped coordinate. I don't know. It's kind of all over the place, Got it. but uh, we, we can describe it however we want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just feel like if, if you can teach our sped students, you can do anything, you know? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so I'll, I'll have to think about that one and unpack it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also just giving, you've been in this game for a while. So Talk to her nice. That's that's yeah. just what it's yeah. doing. Mm -hmm. It's like okay. numbers numbers are a social construct anyway. It's Literally. fine. You you're an expert and you're the real yes. MVP. So shout out to you. Oh yeah. I'm neither of those things. <laughs> I am still learning along with everybody else, but I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, Welcome to Entangle, where we just hype you up constantly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I am appreciating all the the hype I'm getting, like even the silent <laughs> hype with like fist pumps and smiles. Yeah. And no, you and all. you know what? Let's let's also ground this in some facts, okay? Um, when we had our when we had our last learning summit, Mackenzie was leading some of our, one of our our sped PD sessions. And she had some students in there who were, or students, she had some core members in there who just asked a lot of questions and some of those questions being challenging questions. And to my knowledge, Mackenzie handled, handled them all with so much grace and expertise and was able to articulate herself in a way in which she was able to answer those questions and get those people to, you know, um, first of all, back down a bit and actually listen. So, and the way to do that is very tricky when someone just like feels like challenging you, you know, and I think you did that very well. And I think you wouldn't have been able to do that had you not had the expertise. So that's facts. Well, thank you. I, I very much appreciate that. And part of, part of being a SPED coordinator was, uh, you know, I pretty quickly realized a big part of that job is just handling the number of people who come to you and they're worked up about something and they feel like something should be handled a different way. And and you got to talk them down and explain the compliance piece mm -hmm. of it and also the equity piece and why students need certain things and how you have to work through it. So I'm I'm pretty used to people coming at me with an opinion about something and having to redirect them and explain why why we do things the way we need to do them for our kids. There we go. So you are an expert. Um, well, let's let's talk about your expertise. Really, why don't we just start with you telling us some basic things about yourself? Like, so tell us about who you are, how you got into this work, and why are you doing this work? So I am, I'm originally from Wichita, Kansas, and I went to college at the University of Colorado at Boulder, and I always wanted to teach. I knew I wanted to teach, but um, when I was 18, I had, I had no idea how you become a teacher. I just knew you go to college, and I have no idea why I never did any research into like what you need to major in or what the pathway to becoming a teacher is, but I didn't. I just knew I wanted to be an English teacher. So I was like, oh, I'm major in English. That's obviously how you do it. Then like my junior year, I was meeting with my, my advisor and I was like, oh, by the way, how do I make sure I can teach after I graduate? And he was like, oh, you, you needed a major in education, like starting two years ago. And if you <laughs> want to add an education <laughs> major now, it's going to add an, add a year to, to college for you, which I could, I was taking out student loans and I was like, I can't afford to do that. So 
in my infinite wisdom, I was like, well, I'll just get my master's in English too, even though that still won't result in a teaching certificate, but I, and will put me in even more debt that that was then my plan. So I was accepted into the master's in English literature program at the university of Colorado at Boulder, but then I needed to defer my admission for a year to, I, I needed to wait a year in order to get in-state tuition. Cause you have to be mm-hmm. it's some weird thing. Like I had to be 23, not 22. So I was like, that's fine. I'll just work. I was working at the university. They just hired me on full-time. And anyway, so I, I, I worked that year and my student loans came out of deferment that year. And it hit me w- what it means to take out student loans and repay them. And I had kind of a come to Jesus moment where I was like, I cannot take on more debt to get my master's. And I really want to teach. And I, in particular, no matter what my pathway into teaching was, I wanted to work with students who I felt needed teachers the most, which was students in low-income communities. That was always where I wanted to land. And I learned about Teach for America that year and everything just matched up. It like fit my my values and my, my passion and um, would give me an opportunity to work with the students that I always wanted to work with. And I was kind of open to going to a lot of different places. At that time, you ranked like 10 different regions. So I put, and you had to be willing to go to any of them. And I was, um, I was ready to, you know, for something new. So I was placed in greater New Orleans, Louisiana Delta. Thought I'd be like an hour outside of New Orleans. Found out uh, that the Louisiana (laughs) Delta is a totally different region, Uh but uh I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, I had such a just profound and life-changing experience there. And I met some of the kindest, people that, that I've ever met in my life when I was in Tulula, Louisiana. And, um, there's a level of need there that I just like, haven't really seen matched any, anywhere else. I know like urban areas get, I feel like people are aware that like cities like new Orleans and Chicago and like urban centers, like have a need for, um, teachers and that there's education issues, um, and that there's poverty. But I, I at least like was unaware of, the level of poverty that people are experiencing in the Louisiana Delta and Mississippi mm-hmm. Delta. And it's just like an entirely another level of, of need. So I felt very needed there. Um, and I am grateful to like my kids and the community there for letting me come and, and be part of it for the time that, that I was there. And then after my two years there, I moved here to New Orleans. I was in schools here for another eight years after that. And then um, earlier this academic year, I joined staff here at Teach for America, and I've just been so grateful to have the opportunity to continue to work in education, but in a different capacity that I'm I'm really excited about. So you were in the Delta, you made your way out to New Orleans, you worked in the New Orleans schools for some time, um, and now you join staff as the director of the Alumni Coaching Fellowship. Can you tell us about that. Like, what is the Alumni Coaching Fellowship? What what kind of work are you doing? So I am really grateful to the people came before me um, doing this work with the Alumni Coaching Fellowship who got it off the ground. So Mm -hmm. when I started in August, I inherited an existing Alumni Coaching Fellowship that a couple of folks before me had already done some really great work with. And then I've been able to kind of take it in a different direction this year, which I'm um, looking forward to talking about, but uh, the two folks who came before me specifically, Tom DeLay, I know he founded the Alumni Coaching Fellowship. Yes, yes. Shout out to and, Tom. And, um, and Henry, you, you may actually have a little more context and Ashley around this than, than I do, but um, I know in its founding year, they had a group of teachers who came together for monthly professional development sessions, which is similar to what we're doing now. 
and they worked on different coaching skills that allowed them to then work with, I think, exclusively core member, TFA core members in their schools to support them throughout the school year. And then I know that the coaching fellowship existed in a similar format last year. And then when I started, um, I started at the end of August, the team here in uh, on staff with GNO had already done the work of like recruiting the fellows for this year. Like we knew who our, our coaches were going to be. We more or less knew like who they would be coaching in schools. But one exciting shift this year was they, and this, this decision was made before I got here. They opened up the coaching fellowship to teachers who are not alumni, which is really exciting because I think it expands our impact in the city. So you no longer have to be a TFA alum to join the coaching fellowship. And we have some folks in the fellowship who are coaching teachers who are not core members. So again, I think these are really exciting changes that allow us to increase our impact across the city. And I think that that is our vision moving forward as well, that we'll continue to have this program available to people who didn't necessarily do their first two years of teaching with Teach for America. And we may continue to support teachers who are not core members all with the the purpose of ultimately better supporting students across our entire region. So when when I started at the end of August, like the, already quite a bit of the work had been done to set up the fellowship for this year. But what, what I got to do, which was really exciting, was work with our executive director, Jerron Tatum, to figure out what the content looked like for this year. So in previous years, I know that they they focused on mentorship and wellness, in, in addition to, I think, some other um, aspects of coaching. And one thing that I was really interested in was equipping our coaches in this fellowship with the really concrete and technical skills that they need to be effective coaches. And specifically within our context here in New Orleans, we have um, an entirely charter system and the majority of our schools in the New Orleans area coach kind of according to a particular style that's aligned with the get better faster guide. And uh, that includes doing meetings that are called observation debrief meetings and data meetings and assigning action steps. And this is uh, something that you see across multiple networks and schools in the New Orleans area. And the reason I really wanted the coaches in our fellowship to leave this program with those skills is because I know that the people participating in this fellowship are interested in potentially moving into coaching. And I want them to be really well prepared to go in and interview for those positions and say that they they know how to do these things and that they have experience with it. And I also want them to have an opportunity to, to, to get this experience with coaching so that they can figure out if this is something that they, they want to do. Um, and what's exciting is that we have a couple of people who have already been offered additional coaching responsibilities, like with their school or as um, we have one person who's who's got like a side hustle coaching gig. She's coaching a teacher at a different school on Tuesday evenings. And, you know, so it's it's exciting to see that we have some people who are really enjoying this and are figuring out ways to make coaching a bigger part of their educational career. this program is just so special and I think that in thinking about your wrap-up towards the end of like how it's impacting how core members and not even just core members but folks that are involved in the alumni coaching fellowship how they're able to just like expand their opportunities I think it just says so much for 
a teacher who could be in the classroom, core member or not, and may not feel that there's like a direct track or like a pipeline for them to learn more about teaching or experiences outside of the classroom. Like even as a core member and as someone who was coached, I never really saw a direct line to be like, oh, well, this is how I actually become a coach at my school besides like being the top notch coach, but also in thinking about the fact that when you learn coaching skills, you also become a better educator within that. So it's like, this is giving core members and and educators around our city the opportunity to learn those skills, become better educators, and you mix that all together and do more good for, for their community. So that piece is just very special. And now that you say it like that, I'm like, wow, this is, I already knew it was amazing. But thinking about that impact makes me think that even more. So Mackenzie, let's just say that you there were other regions who were interested in doing something similar. Do you think that this is possible that like, I don't know, this this fellowship or at least this, this structure that we've created here can have an impact on other regions or help other regions? If so, how? I think absolutely it could help and impact other regions. I think that you just named something, Henry, that resonated a lot with me when you said that your first year in kind of a teacher mentor role, you were sort of just thrown in there and, and you didn't, you know, you just had to kind of figure it out. And I had a, a similar experience. I did have a little bit of support, but my my first go around with coaching was um, the 2017-18 school year. And and I was in a situation very similar to our, our coaching fellows in, in this fellowship where I was a full-time teacher. And that year I took on um, coaching one, one other teacher at our school. And, you know, it's tough when you're, when you're in that position as a full-time teacher and you're taking on this sort of mid-level leadership opportunity, that's a new skill set, but you're still teaching and the coaching that you're getting is around your kids and the instruction in your classroom, which you need. But then where do you find the time to also fit in coaching and development Mm -hmm. around your coaching? And thankfully I had a really great coach that year who sort of did a mix of coaching me on my classroom and coaching me on my coaching. Um, but, and then when I moved into a SPED coordinator role, I got like really explicit professional development at the network that I worked with around things like assigning action steps, using the get better, faster scope and sequence and how to run an observation debrief meeting and a data meeting and an O3 and that sort of thing. But that didn't come until I was in a full-time leadership position. So mm-hmm. when I think about the impact that a fellowship like this can have in other regions, I do think it provides these leadership opportunities to full-time teachers who may want to just stay in the classroom, but have an impact outside of their own room, or maybe they do have career ambitions that involve moving into a school leadership role or an instructional coaching role. And this will give them, you know, a strong foundation for that type of skill set. you know, outside of even just developing those teachers. I think about the, that Ashley and Henry, you both named the impact that this can have on the teachers that they're coaching and ultimately kids, right? And when we have people who are coaching teachers really effectively and using one of the most precious resources in education, which is time, there's never enough of it, right? And when you have coaches who are using that really effectively and know how to assign strong action steps and maximize these coaching meetings, then at the end of the day, that leads to teachers not to be cheesy, but getting better faster and getting stronger outcomes with kids, right? Like we don't have time to waste with the students that we work with. Like we know that they're behind and and we know how precious their, their learning time is. So we've got to maximize it. So I think the impact that a fellowship like this can have in other regions is twofold, like developing our 
leadership capabilities and talent that we have in, in other regions and also helping teachers get better for the sake of kids. And I, and I think that in any region where you've got schools that are willing to build in a coaching opportunity for this, like teachers, like this fellowship um, and this kind of development could exist. So as long as you've got schools who are willing to put teachers in a position where they can teach full time and they can also coach another teacher at the school, then, then I think there's the potential for, for this type of fellowship. And, you know, other, I, I will say like the other things that you need are a group of folks who know that there's a commitment outside of school hours. So we do our monthly professional development sessions on Saturday mornings from nine to 12. Um, I've been just so humbled by the group of folks that we have this year who are so eager to come together and work with each other on Saturday mornings. And I was a little worried about that. You know, I know that they're full-time teachers and I was worried about whether they'd be able to show up with energy on, on a weekend and they, they absolutely do. And so it's been really inspiring to see that. So I think if you've got people who are really excited by this work and invested in it and willing to put in that extra time, you know, getting the content development on Saturdays and, you know, they meet with me or our executive director, Jerron Tatum on a biweekly basis. We, that's another part of the program um, that I forgot to mention. So in addition to our content sessions, Jerron Tatum and I each have a set of teachers that who are in the fellowship that we go and uh, meet with at their school sites every other week. And we'll go co-observe the teachers that they, they work with, which is just such a, a great opportunity to provide some really individualized coaching support to fellows and talk about, you know, what did we see? What were the, the strengths that we saw while we were in there? And then kind of brainstorming what the, the right action step is moving forward. So it's a lot of fun to get to go do that with them. And that's also time that they're dedicating to this program, right? Because that's happening during their planning period and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But again, everyone who's in this fellowship is really committed to putting in that time. And it's been exciting to see their their growth as coaches and the impact that they're having on teachers and students. Mackenzie, I appreciate you giving like a little broad strokes overview of what the program is. I am very curious of like, what is some of the content that your teachers are engaged in? What we know a Saturday morning PD is always, is always rough regardless of who's attending. So what is what is the learning that you're hoping they take away during that time? And like, what is the frame, what is the coaching framework that y'all prioritize for these teachers? Because we know a lot of charter schools already have something that they use. Um, A lot of charter schools, as you mentioned, do use get better faster. A lot of them use real-time coaching. A lot of them use like other things. So what is the one that y'all are honing in on and sharing with your teachers? I love this question. Thank you for giving me space to dive in a little more to exactly what the content looks like. So we do a mix of the get better faster type of coaching using their scope and sequence and resources from get better faster, which comes from um, uncommon schools. So we definitely lean heavily on that for the more technical aspects of coaching. But what we actually started out with this year, our very first session focused on building a strong coaching relationship. And we leaned pretty heavily on Elena Aguilar's The Art of Coaching for that. So she, Elena Aguilar quotes, um, I forget who who the quote's attributed to. It's, it's not her, but she has a series of quotations throughout her book. And one that we've continued to come back to 
at all of our coaching sessions this year is uh, that w- without trust, there can be no coaching. So that absolutely has to happen first. Like it's essential that coaches establish a strong relationship and that trust with their teachers, because if they don't have that, they're not going to be able to make the gains mm-hmm. that they need to with, with that teacher. So our, our first session was actually a full day session that was all about building a strong coaching relationship, how to hold an initial coaching conversation in, in all of our sessions, whatever the content is that we cover. So for the first one, building a strong coaching relationship and holding that initial coaching conversation, then what we do is we give them time to plan for that coaching conversation and practice it with each other. So we always do a mix of giving out the new content, like introduction of new material, if you will. And then um, we usually do some kind of like guided practice, like working on some of that together, like whether it's assigning some action steps as a whole group, and then we release them into some independent practice, ideally using, you know, as we've gone through the year, we start using videos of their own teachers and they can, um, you know, co-observe virtually with each other that way, have a thought partner for action steps, et cetera. But they do a lot of planning and practice. um, And when possible, we make it as directly applicable to their specific context and teachers as possible. So the the first session was all about building that strong relationship and trust. And then our second session, we dove right into assigning action steps, which is, it seems simple, but it's actually one of the tougher things in coaching because it's really important to assign a small bite-sized action step that a teacher can complete in a week, maybe two. And especially when you have new teachers, there's a lot that when you're observing, like you can be kind of overwhelmed with the number of things that you may want to focus on with them. So that's where the get better faster guide and scope and sequence is just so helpful in narrowing it down. You know, for all the things that you see, it helps you narrow down what your focus area should be so that you can give that teacher a really effective action step. That's going to move their instruction to a stronger place quickly. And then you can, you can build on that week to week with kind of like increasing complexity of, of action steps as you move through the scope and sequence. So, and then we spent several sessions on how to, uh, how to facilitate an observation debrief meeting, Mm. which kind of takes you through the full coaching cycle of observing a teacher for at least 10 minutes a week is the expectation that we have. And then during your scheduled 30 minute, ideally, ideally they have 30 minutes with their, their coachee once a week. That has been a challenge in the program is because they're both full-time teachers. Like some of our folks are, you know, operating on kind of a short, uh, meeting timeline here where they've maybe got 15 or 20 minutes. Or, um, we have some folks though, who have like agreed to meet before and after school and are kind of finding the third way to get that, that time together. But ideally they've got a 30 minute coaching meeting every week that's kind of held sacred. And during that time, they can hold their observation debrief where they get together after the coach has come in to observe and they follow a structure that we practice and plan for during our sessions. And and what that looks like is starting with, you know, some of the glows from the observation and then working with the teacher to talk about where the areas for growth are and sort of guiding the teacher to identifying what their next action step is. Ideally you as the coach, like guide the teacher to that, that conclusion, um, you know, and, and sometimes you have to be a little bit more directive and just let them know, like, this is the direction that we need to go. Um, and then you, during an observation debrief meeting, 
you've got time for your teacher to practice whatever the actions plan for whatever the action step is and practice it. So we spent several sessions doing that because it's not as easy as just like, here's the template, go do it. Like it, it really is kind of coaching not to be you know cheesy again, um, with, with Elena Aguilar's book, the art of coaching, but it is an art and it, you know, so much of, uh, coaching, it, it really just takes a lot of planning and practice. So we, we build that time into Saturdays. And then, uh, Taylor, you mentioned real-time feedback and, and real-time coaching. We, we had a, an entire Saturday session dedicated to that. You know, that's something that our, our coaches are doing now that we've had that session is they know how to go into classrooms and use different, um, levels of kind of invasive techniques. We grounded that in trust as well. Like the importance of, because real-time feedback can feel if, it, if it's done incorrectly, it can damage your relationship with your mm-hmm. coachee. So we did spend some time talking about the importance of finding that right balance between pushing your teacher's development with real-time coaching, while also making sure to have the pre-conversations that you need with them so that it doesn't break down the trust between you. So we talked about that. And then, you know, based on those conversations with their coachees, you know, it's been fun hearing our fellows talk about what kinds of real-time feedback have been working and it's different for everybody. You know, some teachers like the whiteboard at the back of the classroom and some teachers are fine with the coach raising a hand to jump into class, which is obviously more invasive. And then after real-time coaching, we have had a couple of sessions on data meetings. Mm-hmm. So these are, um, I kind of nerd out a little bit on data meetings because they're, they're just so much fun, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> The, you know, the basic premise of a a data meeting is the teacher provides their coach with a set of student work and the coach has some pre-work that they need to do for this to go well. They, they do some pre-work looking at the kind of exemplar student work and comparing it to the standard and identifying what students need to know and what they need to be able to do to demonstrate mastery of that standard, specifically within the context of the student work and what it was asking students to do. And then once the coach has, has kind of identified that, then they look at the student work that was, you know, almost there and not quite there. And they look to identify the gap, like what is sort of the trend in student work that was keeping them from demonstrating mastery of that standard. Mm -hmm. And so once the coach has done that work, then they, they hold a data meeting with their, with their coachee and they guide them through that process. And, you know, again, you, you want to have the person that you're coaching generate as much of this as they can on their own and identify that gap. And based on that, then you make a plan for how to reteach the skill that students didn't quite master. So data meetings are a ton of fun and that's where we've been spending our time in our, our last couple of sessions. So that was my very long answer to what is the content that we've been covering. And I'm, I'm sorry that I went on for a bit there. No, I, you, when you said whiteboard in the back of the classroom, it really triggered like a core charter school memory of like, oh, I forgot that was a part of my development for a period of time. And that was actually one of the things that I really enjoyed because I feel like I've told this story before, but I've had a pretty traumatic uh, interaction with real-time coaching when I was teaching. And so as a coach, I know it's something that really requires permission. All of it requires permission. And as you said, with um, the art of coaching, you can't have a coaching relationship with trust. Yes. And if your coachee just simply does not like you, 
And so if they don't trust you, they're not going to like you. And so if you're the coach that's like busting up in their classroom every other day (laughs) and like jumping in to their lesson without asking for permission, those are the things that really hinder the relationship and really hinder progress for kids. So I appreciate it's just something about the whiteboard where I'm like, ah, yes, that's the thing that I might have to revitalize for myself. I need to go buy me a little whiteboard (laughs) for these for these core members. My practice and our practice here in South Louisiana is like we really tend to stay in the more facilitative area because we know that core members are essentially opting in to this, right? It's like you are opting in, but it's also required because you're a core member. But we also want to let it be known that we don't take your time with us for granted because we mm-hmm. would not have a job if you yeah. if you were not a core member. So like being mindful of that and understanding that like there's a place for directive coaching and there's a place for like some of those quote unquote more invasive um, practices also always with permission. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think one additional thing that I also wanted to add is just given that the coaching role is evolving and, you know, just the responsibilities are looking a bit different. I think this has the potential to continue to provide that additional support to our core members um, for this to also be a part of their, um, as we call the now, like the ecosystem of support. How many times have I said that to you, Mackenzie, their ecosystem (laughs) of support? Um, You know, this has the potential to also be a part of that too, right? To be um, something that our core members could use as an additional resource to continue their development as teachers. So maybe as we start to wrap this up, um, would you have any advice? And I know this might be kind of hard to ask you, Mackenzie, without Tom here, but from what you know, or to the best of your ability, what advice would you have for someone who would want to kickstart this or a program similar to this in their region? That That is a, a great question. And um, I would be so interested to hear what Tom has to say about like founding a fellowship like this. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do know, um, you know, for any regions, districts that would be interested in this. There's always room for improvement on like the content and the sessions that I plan, but I'm happy to share everything I've got if that's helpful for folks in terms of just kind of the the progression for the content and PD sessions, slide decks, materials, that sort of thing. And so I think like, obviously you need the content, you need to know your scope and sequence for professional development for the year. And then before you can even do that, you, you ha- you've got to recruit your, your fellows. So I think that is like, definitely, I guess my, my first bit of advice. And it's something I'm thinking through for next year right now is like, what's strategy. And I think you kind of got to start with figuring out who are your school partners who would be interested in this program, working with them to identify teachers who may be a good fit, making sure that school partners are aware of sort of their commitment in this, like making sure that Mm. they are building out and carving out time in their teacher's day for, you know, whoever, whoever the teacher is that they want to recommend for the program, like knowing that they're going to need the time and space to go observe for 10 minutes once a week, um, to hold their coaching meetings, um, on a weekly or biweekly basis, depending on the coaching cadence at the school. So there is like a certain commitment from school partners that they need to be aware of. It's a fairly low lift. You know, we have some, some schools where they don't really need to do much at all. Like planning periods just line up to where the coach can go observe and they can get together with their coachee and have their meetings. But we do have a few schools where 
uh, school administrators have like agreed to go in and cover a teacher for 10 to 15 minutes once a week so that they can go observe and that's working fine too. So, you know, I'd say probably you got to start with school partners and making sure that they're interested in the program and that they're aware of what the commitment or requirement is. And then from there, working with them to identify and recruit people who would be a great fit. And then once you've got your, a strong cohort, I think that's so much of the the work that's involved. Cause if you get the right people, it just makes the rest of the year so much fun. Like if you've got people who are excited about this work and motivated by it, then like I said, you know, they've come to our Saturday sessions with so much energy and enthusiasm. And it's been, it's been very humbling to just see how hard I know that they're working through the week and then they show up and they work just as hard on Saturdays so that they can go back into school buildings the following week and be the best coach they can be for the the teachers that they're working with. So because of that, I have felt a lot of pressure to make sure that um, our Saturday sessions are a really good use of their time and that we are covering exactly what we need to and giving them the time and space that they need to make it relevant for themselves and their particular context. So I guess that would be an additional piece of advice is, you know, knowing that these are folks who are, you know, very busy and working really hard Monday through Friday with kids in schools and with the teacher that they're coaching, any commitment that they make outside of school. My advice is to just make sure it's a great use of their time. And then I think that helps them show up for subsequent sessions, like eager, because they know it is going to be a good use of their time and it will, you know, equip them to go in and be even more effective. Beautiful. Well, then, to wrap this up, um, let's just say that I'm someone who is very interested in kickstarting something like this in my region. um, And I want to learn more about your work. So if I'm that person, uh, where can I go or what can I do if I wanted to reach out to you to maybe connect and get those resources you speak of or get some additional advice on how to get this started just to learn more. So I'm assuming these are other folks at TFA who have like Slack, right? Which is, yeah. <laughs> it could be, right? It could also be um, just other folks who just hear the podcast and they're like, you know, I'm like thinking of doing something similar. Okay. If it's, if it's folks who, you know, are also within the organization here at TFA, they can send me a Slack. Um, anybody can send me an email and I would love to set aside time to hop on a Zoom or a phone call with anyone who's interested in learning more and share, um, you know, all of my resources or anything that they may be interested in. So if anyone's interested, I would absolutely love to hop on a, on a zoom call or a phone call with them and talk to them more. Mm, Look at that. Couldn't make it any easier. And if you wanted to also reach out to us, where can they hit us up, Ashley? You can hit us up on Instagram at entangled underscore podcast, or send us an email at entangled at teachforamerica.org. Can all be easily reached that way. Well, thank you so much, Mackenzie, for joining us today. Um, I'm really hoping that folks hear this conversation and are inspired. We are connecting with our alumni and we are providing an additional resource for our core members and our teachers and our communities to be able to use to continue to do what's best for the students and the communities that we serve. Thanks, y'all. We will see y'all on the flip side. Quick, quick question. You all do this every week? You get together and...